City. It's your man, Big Pat, the voice of your Charlotte Hornets. And you're listening to the All Hornets Podcast Network, presented by Sports Illustrated. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Okay. Welcome to Inside the Hive, the All Hornets Podcast Network. I am your host, James Plara, and joining me as he does every week, Chase Whitney. Chase, how are you doing? I'm doing very well. I'm excited for this episode. I think the listeners are going to enjoy the format we've got ready for them today. Absolutely. And before we meet our special guest today, I want to let you know that we're introducing a new thing for the podcast, where every single guest is getting their own intro music, which is theirs. Theirs only. No one else can ever have the intro music. So Chase, as you are, you're not a guest, you're a co-host, but as you're a co-host, you are within your rights to have your music. So we're going to line it up here and see. I feel like you've done well here, and you'll get to see why later compared to some of the others. Uh, do you know the song? I don't. I mean, I've, I feel like I've maybe heard it before, but I definitely could not identify it. You know what it's called? The title of the song is called Blind Faith, which I think is just perfect for the Hornets. I'll take it. Hey, that, yeah, you, we definitely need a lot of that, so that definitely fits. Okay, right. And also joining us in the podcast week is Darian Thomas from Trust the Buzz. Darian, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I'm excited to go ahead and get started. This is the this is the one that people are going to be scratching their head going, what is going on here? But let's go, let's go hear your theme tune here. There we go. Do you recognize the theme tune? 
I feel like I've heard it from like Bugs Bunny or something. Like I don't know. Like, You're this close. Is, this sounds really this, old. This is Thomas that. the Tank Engine. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. In kindergarten, everyone called me Thomas the Two Train. So it, there it we go. Made. I had to uh, message Chase this week to check that Thomas the Tank Engine was a thing in the US, um, which is why <laughs> Chase randomly got DMs from me saying. Um, Chase, does Thomas the Tank Engine exist in the USA? And I didn't give Chase any context. And he just messaged me right. back being with a very passionate defense of Thomas the Tank Engine. I, yeah, I was, I was huge into that when I was like a little kid. Like oh, they had sure. like the little wooden trains and whatnot. Like that's like the perfect toy for like a four-year-old. So I, I was very aware of the, of the theme song. So Darian, that is, that is your theme song. No one else will ever have that. You'll be glad to know. And, and Darren, tell us a little bit about yourself in terms of uh, your, your Hornets coverage, uh, where are you from, how long you been following the Hornets for, let the people know. Ooh, so uh, I'm from North Carolina, live in Georgia. Um, let's see, I've been a Hornets fan, I would say probably my whole life, probably when I started watching basketball, even though Dwayne Wade growing up was my favorite player. Um, I've been a Hornets fan since then, blind, blind faith, as we said earlier, just been following them along. Uh, last, you know, I guess 10, 10 years, I've been like really into it, even though it's been painful. But uh, I mean, it's, that's part of sports, you know, the ups and downs, it's, it's all part of it. So um, only, and I cover the Hornets almost every day on YouTube. I don't do it as much anymore every day just because life, but I plan to get back to daily. I used, there was one point I was doing like two, three videos a day, but you know, life gets, gets in the way, but uh, yeah, that's, you can find me on Trust the Buzz at YouTube. Great. Thanks for coming on, Darian. And also joining us is Terry Mangum from Buzz Boys. Terry, how are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? It's an honor to be on the show, like I said earlier, man. It's an honor to be on. No, absolutely. Thanks for coming on. And Terry, are you ready for your music here, your intro music? Right, I'm I guarantee you won't have heard this. Everyone's scratching their heads because none of us... None of us are old enough. Uh, this is Mag. This is Magnum PI. Yeah, I've heard this before. I can't necessarily say it, but like I've heard this before. Um, which the funny thing is, Terry earlier messaged me saying everyone always says my name is Magnum, not. Magnum. Yeah, yeah, that's Magnum. crazy. Yeah, yeah. So and I'd already that. picked this before you said that, and I was like, well, now Terry's going to judge me because I've just done the exact thing that everyone does. Um, oh, there you go. It's cool. I've heard the, that before. I can't pinpoint from where, but I've heard it. Yeah, you got the Magnum PI theme tune, Tom Selleck, for, for those who are wondering who is in Magnum PI. Okay, there we're done with our intro songs. I'm glad we got through that. And the reason we have four of us on today, which is a packed show, is because we are doing a roundtable panel uh, where we've got some key topics, discussions, questions, which we think Hornets fans are probably having with themselves and with their friends every day. And we wanted to have them on the podcast. So um, we're going to jump right in here. Uh, our very first question is out of 10, how worried are you that Lamelo Ball is injury prone? Um, now, before we jump into the answers, I'm going to give you a little bit injury history here. Let's go back to 2020. He's playing in Australia. He ends the season in the NBL four to six weeks because of a bruised right foot. Then in his rookie year, he break, breaks his right wrist in 2021. He also had a right hip contusion that year. Uh, then this season, he had two left sprained ankles and he has a right ankle fracture. Um, that is just in, you know, within the first three years of Lamella Ball, all in the last two, three years. So he's now obviously out for the season. Um, I'm going to come to I'm going to come to one of our guests first. Darian, 
I'm going to come to you first. Um, out of 10, how worried are you about Lamelli Ball? And would you class him as someone who is injury prone? Um, I would say probably a six because there is reason to be worried. However, he's still really young. I think a lot of it has to do with his frame. Uh, mm. He's still kind of tiny. Uh, I mean, obviously, we see players who are like Kevin Durant has been tiny for years and look what he can do. But I still think he's kind of tiny. He did, he does need to bulk up a little bit, but I wouldn't consider him injury prone. I think that as his body grows, I think that he'll get better. But I also feel like part of it is he doesn't sit out long enough. I mean, there was there was times this season where we thought we all thought he was kind of being rushed back. He even kind of mentioned that I think it was before the heat game. Uh, he was like, guys, go out. You have to come back in. And I get it to an extent, but considering, you know, we all knew where the Hornets were headed, it wasn't probably the smartest idea, and he plays through it. But we see time and time again, as you mentioned, the broken wrist. I mean, I think recently, even before before his injury, there was some layup he made, and he played with his wrist after. Like, he still messes with that wrist uh, constantly. So I think it's just he needs that time to sit, and hopefully, unfortunately, it took this, but hopefully this will be the time he can actually have a break and kind of relax and chill for a little bit before he really starts getting to contact. Yeah, and I mean, everyone has seen him play with that wrist. We're now years on, right, for the injury, mm-hmm. and he still plays from the wrist every now and then. And, like, if he was shooting poorly, you'd think there was some, like, worrying, lingering injury. But the fact that he's, like, shooting better before his injury than ever before, it just kind of makes you think it's not really affecting it affecting it that much. So you're at a... You're at a six or ten. I'm going to see. Is there anyone who is uh, more worried than Darian here who wants to come off mute? Um, yeah, let's, te- let's go to Terry. Terry, where you at? For me, man, I got him at seven and a half out of ten. I- I'm worried seven and a half out of ten just because he is young. But when you're young, that's when you're not supposed to have any injuries. That's mm. when you're supposed to be okay. You're supposed to be good. I mean, his rookie year, he only played 51 games, and even then he was only playing 28 minutes. Last year he had good, you know, good sustainability, 75 games. But this year, 36 games in 35 minutes, and not to mention what's going on with his brother, where it's like, what is wrong with Lonzo Ball? They can't figure it out. At that point, it might just be a hereditary type of thing where it's like they're just fragile because now with LaMelo, I mean – it's been ligaments with the sprains and stuff like that. And now we're talking about bones with the fractures of the wrist and the ankle. It, it's definitely caused the pause um, because it seems like he can't go 20 games without getting hurt. Um, it's definitely, it's definitely concerning. And yeah, we've all seen him. He still does this all the time. And it's like, what's up with that? But part of me, it definitely is the the Hornets medical staff. I mean, we've had so many, Injuries, questionable returns. Um, all of a sudden, people go from out to, oh, they're playing. There was no doubtful, no probable, no questionable. They're just out there the next day because somebody else got hurt. And, I mean, we saw Gordon Hayward's wife talk about it. You know, she was really adamant about it. Like, she didn't trust the staff and other people felt that way as well. So, I, I don't know, man. It's a, it's a lot going on with everybody's injuries really i feel like it's concerning with our staff but that's just me the the brother link is certainly an interesting one right because you could even point to jello i know jelly has been healthy in the last few years but i think even in his kind of like late teens he faced a lot of injury issues which is why he didn't basically land in the g league for almost until what was it almost like two years ago greensboro really was his first full season right and the bones thing is interesting because both the wrist fracture and the ankle fracture 
I, the the wrist one a little more so because he fell, he put his hand out, but it wasn't like Gordon Hayward, right? Where Gordon Hayward was, you know, got his whole ankle caught into someone's body, and as soon as he did it, you thought he's broken something. Both like with Lamelo's injuries, they come from pretty like nondescript moments where like you feel like you see someone. I mean, especially the ankle non-contact who was dribbling the ball, and he's he's fractured his ankle. That. That's the worrying thing, I, I think, for, for me. But, but Chase, it doesn't seem like you're as concerned. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm the lowest of all of us. I'm probably like somewhere between a four or a five, I think. Um, I, I don't, I mean, obviously I'm not a doctor, but I feel like it's, it's hard to be prone to like breaking bones necessarily because it's not like you can be like Lamelo has like a knee problem or he has like a ligament problem like in his ankle which is like something you can only have like surgery to repair like repeated surgeries and all that and you're always putting stress on them uh, his, his wrist like like you said James he was just like falling and kind of planted it awkwardly uh, but the ankle one concerns me a little bit uh, and I, the, the, the link with Lonzo's injuries and LiAngelo's injuries is definitely worth like looking into from, you know, if you're like a medical observer of LaMelo ball right now, I think anyway, uh, but also like he's played a lot of basketball in his career. Like before he got to the NBA, he played a ton of minutes in AAU. He obviously played at Chino Hills and was like a high minute player, even as a freshman, he went overseas and played in uh, Lithuania and Australia and played a lot of minutes while he was there, even though he got hurt in Australia. But he's played a ton of basketball for you know his age, which I think is a, th- a thing that a lot of players will end up like struggling with or suffering like repeated injuries or something just because like people play like all fall and winter and then they play all spring and summer with their AAU team. And it's just, that's just a lot of basketball to be played and like your knees and ankles and feet and whatever that's, you put a lot of stress on those when you're cutting and jumping and trying to dunk all the time. So that, that would, that's what raises my concern mostly uh, is just like the amount of miles he has already. I I think the point you made about the, the ligaments, I, I think that is a really important one because, you know, ligament issues, ankle issues, uh they are they can be kind of like degenerative right they can be things that linger and don't get better whereas lamello's injuries have mostly been clean breaks and bones especially when you're his age should heal back if not stronger they shouldn't heal back to be weaker um so i think that is a is a really good point that you've raised and something that is absolutely valid um i've read a really good there's a great uh injury article by espn that was done a few years ago now and it did a bunch of, but it didn't do it. It cited a bunch of research about multi-sport athletes um, and, and players essentially who do multi-sport are so much less likely to get injured than people who specialize at a young age because by doing these other sports, you you build muscle in, in, and strength within other muscle groups and ligaments that, that then work with your basketball muscles when you play, right? So there's balance. Whereas if you just focus on one sport, you, you just grow strength in one particular area and then it creates kind of imbalances throughout the rest of your biomechanics so it's, it's a really interesting one i'd suggest people go read um and and lamella was definitely he was someone who was not allowed to play any of the sports lavar said that when he was growing up he was to specialize in basketball the weird thing is i find is lamello plays like ja Morant plays a style that you think he's gonna get injured every game 
Lamelo Ball is pretty contact averse. Like he does not go driving into bodies, trying to jump over people, and he still manages to pick up these these injuries. And it does make me worry a little bit about how he, you know, everyone wants him to be more physical, especially like going to the basket and driving through contact. Does anyone have any concern that like these injuries might make him more wary about that and try and try and kind of shy away from contact a little bit? I definitely think that there's a chance and because he knows in his own head more than any of us who already are well aware that how great and his touch is around the rim. Like he's not, I mean, he's not a good finisher at the rim, but he is not terrible at it. And that's only because he just has like elite touch and is such a like great coordinated basketball player and knows how to like contort his body and get around players rather than finishing through them or over them or anything like that. But he's definitely going to need to get like stronger if he wants to be able to like not be contact averse anyway, which is, would just add another layer of difficulty onto it apart from like recovering from injuries and stuff. So I don't think next year we can really anticipate that, but maybe when he's like older, it, it won't be as much of a problem. Okay. Has anyone got any other points on the mellow ball? Has anyone been convinced to, to lower or, or increase their grade or anything else? Or should we move on to our next question here? For me, with the with the ligament thing, I mean, the, the three ankle sprains he had this year, the three were on the left ankle. That's all ligaments on the same ankle now. I don't know about sprains. If you, I know there's different grades of sprains, but I feel like three to the same ankle, there's no way that you can tell me that doesn't in some way weaken that ankle. And now the fracture of the right ankle, I just, I personally next year just want to see LaMelo ball wearing like the Steph Curry, Trey young ankle braces. It might not look cool. It's not fashionable or whatever, but it would just give me peace of mind just because I, I honestly am concerned. It's a little bit too much. Um, I know you said, has it affected the way that he plays or do we think it will? I feel like when he first came back from the second ankle sprain, he was a more attentive to go to the basket. We saw him settling for a lot of deep threes. Um, as soon as he comes across half court, he tried to shoot three. You know, he wasn't really trying to get downhill as much because I do think it was in the back of his head, especially when he broke, when he fractured the wrist. That was a basketball play. That was coming off of a layup. And that's where, like, some of these injuries, they're, they're basketball plays where it's like he's not going to be able to avoid them. That's where the concern is because it could easily happen again. We're going to see LaMelo fall down on a layup again. It's going to happen. We're going to see him in the open floor with the ball, which is how he hurt his ankle, and we don't even know how. So it could be in the back of his head. It could be a concern. But. And, and perhaps one of the biggest things that you, you mentioned there that I've not actually made this link is he broke his right ankle, right, after spraining his left. Well, that means that basically since training camp, almost probably up until maybe February this year, there is a good chance that the mellow has been putting a lot more force on his right ankle and everything he does, right? Shooting around, walking around because he's had a, a bad left ankle the whole time. And you worry that that, that kind of, you, you, you obviously do that when you get injury, you can overcompensate on the other side. And maybe that's why it's led to this, you know, there was a stress fracture there that there's then fractured fully. We don't know. We don't know the details behind the injury yet, but there's absolutely a medical case, I think, that they could be linked or there could be some correlation between the two. Um, so that is, that is another good point, but you're right with your left ankle. And that is, you know, that's his jumping ankle for most of the time for all his float is for his finishes. He's not a 
big kind of wrong foot jumper. He, he launches off that left foot and he's not the most explosive anyway. So it's it's a great point. Okay, uh, let's let's move on to our second question. Uh, and this is this is going to probably cause a little bit of debate here. I'm interested to see you guys have. Um, so for question number two, um, I want you to pick two players, not including Svi Mikhailuk or Miles Bridges, who you think are least likely to be back on the team next year. Um, so Terry, as our other guest, I'm going to come to you first. Who do you think are the two most likely guys and why? Now, for me, I can't honestly admit I thought it was just one person, but I can say the one person that I chose, I chose Cody Martin. I've I've mm. I've been saying this all season. I feel like he's been more expendable than ever. I feel like even last year, I didn't really care for resign him. I didn't care if we didn't. He got a thirty million dollar contract, which is kind of a was a bargain for his services, considering he was the team's best permitted player. But now we brought in somebody like Dennis Smith Jr., who is even cheaper and. You know, it's more well-rounded. He can facilitate, but he can also play defense even better than Martin can. And he's available. Even though he sprained his ankle, all this stuff, he comes back. Cody Martin, we soreness for the whole season. What's going on with that? It's like it's like a conspiracy. And I'd love to, to me, know. I would love to know as well. <laughs> like, what's going on? And to me, I just don't think it. the risk is worth the reward. It doesn't matter. You know, Bryson McGowan's can do what Martin does, play defense, give you about six, seven points. That's what he's going to do. We've seen him do it for years. To me, I just feel like he's he's very expendable. Um, as far as the second player, you said not Civi or Miles. Well, no, let, let's. I, I want to speak about this one a little bit more because I think this is interesting. Um, so to clarify, you would you take Dennis Smith Jr. and Bryce McGowan's over Cody Martin just in terms yes. of like the player right now? Yes. Yes. Okay. Does yes. anybody want to push back against that, Darian or Chase? I, I agree with him. Yeah, I definitely agree with him. Uh, and then also, just to really quick interject, with this draft coming up, if you look at it, there's like, and I'm obviously exaggerating, 100 wings, uh, literally 100. There's only five big men, maybe, maybe. It's just there's – and considering what we're thinking, that they're really going to try to make the most of their picks in this draft, they're more than likely going to keep their picks this draft. There's not, it's not like you're going to choose a big man, uh, to be honest, to me at least. So you have a bunch of different guys that from all sizes, from more of a guard-type defender or someone like, like – let's just use Jairus Walker, even though I don't think they're going to get Jairus Walker. But let's just say Jairus Walker, a guy who's more – uh, the big body in guard, those type of wings. So there's just way too many wings in this draft to pay Cody Martin, and he doesn't play. And then when he does come back, what, the first game of the season, if I'm not mistaken, he played one minute, pulled him out. It's like, okay, maybe that was a rush. But then he comes back again. He looks horrible. And then I get it. It's like you got to come back. But now you're already sitting again before. And then I just want to know what's going on behind the scenes. What does his practices look like? Because if he came back – played one minute at the beginning of the season and then sat down, you cannot tell me that he looked good in practice if that's how it happened. Uh, for him to come back the way he did when he came back the second time, he didn't look good at all. He looked lost, and he decided to kind of shoot all the time, which that never was his strong suit. So what did you see in practice to make you feel like he was prepared to come back? I, so you can kind of blame him, but you also got to look at the team as well. But I just don't see the reason of bringing him back. If they're going to attack this draft how we assume they're going to, there's no reason to bring him back at that kind of money when you have literally 50 guards or 50 wings to choose from in this upcoming draft who are significantly cheaper. And it's just 
you more potential because he's he's very one-sided right now. So in terms of this question, least like to be back on the team next year. He is coming off a season where we, it doesn't look like he's going to play at all. Uh, he is two years, sixteen million, I believe, with the team option and the last year remaining on his contract. Um, I, his value is hard to gauge right now because it all depends on his health. But like, would the do you think uh, Chase? Do you think the team would have to attach assets to get rid of Cody Martin, or do you think there's a team out there that would look at the the film from the last two seasons and go, yeah, for for one year, kind of guaranteed money and a team option? We want to take the risk on like a versatile three and D wing. Honestly, I don't. I don't know if they'd have to it's attach tough. anything to get rid of him because you're like I, you're right. I, we really have no idea what like other NBA teams and would think about him in terms of like trade value. But in my notes, we because uh, I also had Cody Martin as my most wow. likely player to be to not be on the team next year. I did not. Uh, think and my, my notes uh, it says Cody Martin. Bryce McGowan's and draft. So that's very, those were both of the reasons that we've already talked about. Uh, the, obviously, as the conductor of the, the Bryce McGowan's train, uh, I'm not advocating for anybody to be taking his minutes on the wing. Um, and I also think uh, with Cody's salary, say they want to make like a big trade this summer uh, and move like either Hayward or Rozier with like big salary to match up uh, with like a young star, uh, younger veteran to pair with LaMelo. Cody Martin's seven to eight million dollar salary, depending on how much it elevates each year, it's pretty good to attach to that to match up with somebody if they need to. So that would also be another because there's uh, they have Kelly Oubre as like a mid level salary, but obviously you can't trade him because he's going to be a free agent this year. So it's just Cody that's like a middling between like five and ten million dollar salary that you can like attach on to Terry Rozier or Hayward if you want to make a trade. So. For, for Bryce McGowan's really good wing draft and easily tradable salary, I think that he's probably the least likely to be back on top of the fact that he only played seven minutes this year or seven games. See, sorry. I'm shocked we're here because I, we were doing a podcast after we signed Cody Martin. And I believe, you know, you oh, were, I thought I it, it was a really good deal, but I mean, with how the chips have fallen, but I didn't think they were going to, or I didn't know they'd draft Bryce McGowan. So if I had known that. I see. I, th- I think for me that the worry here is the injury. And this is the hardest thing because, you know, you looked at Cody Martin going into the season and he is probably like the most Cliff- Cliffordy Clifford player I think everyone talked about before the season. Like everyone was saying James Bucknight's going to get no minutes because Cody Martin's going to be playing 32 minutes a game. And, you know, Steve Clifford said during preseason, and I, he said this, is that he is a big part of what we're going to do here. And he was talking about Cody Martin. Um, and I, I think it's true that this team has been better on defense lately, but early in the year they really struggled and they missed him and he was basically a sixth man last year. I mean, he played he played really well and he earned that contract. The big thing is the health, right? And he's had surgery, he's come back, and it's still sore, which is like the biggest worry that you can have about any injury. The only problem feeling worse than a knee is a back. Um, but that, that's the big concern, right? If, if, if his knee is not looking good and they think it's going to be an issue going forward, then I agree. But for me, it's just like how they move him. But it, I cannot see other teams wanting to take a risk. It's an interesting one. Uh, let, let's, uh, I want to move on to another player here outside of Cody Martin. Um, who, Chase, let's come to you. Who do you have? Uh, you had Cody Martin as one of your guys. Terry, you match up with Terry there. Uh, who else did you have? Unfortunately, it was Terry was my, my other player. And I, re- I, I really like Terry. I actually, I think he's become like severely underrated this year, averaging career highs like pretty much across the board and uh, per game averages 
Uh, I don't believe you. I just can't watch this year and believe it's career high terror, is it? Come on. 21.3 points per game, 4.1 rebounds, uh, career high 4.8 assists as well. Uh, Obviously, it doesn't look like that uh, all the time on the court because his efficiency is much lower. Um, But, I mean, he's he's had a lot on his plate this year with LaMelo only playing 33 games. Uh, And the funniest thing that I saw today when I was looking at preparing for this episode was uh, a PJ Washington obviously is the leader in games played for the Hornets this year. Cause he's only missed like five, I think. Um, and they were all recently. The next two players uh, are Jalen McDaniels and Mason Plumley, and they're not on the team anymore. So after that, like it, it like the cupboard's getting really bare with like players that have been healthy for much more than like 50% of the season so far. Uh, and Terry, Terry's up there. He obviously had his ankle problem at the beginning of the year, but, uh, he's he's played in 36 games now, which is obviously like three more than Lamelo, I think, to this point. But he's going to f- hopefully finish out the year. Um, but I, 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 he's just a big salary. He's a good player, and there's no possible way for the Hornets to make like a big improvement trade and acquire a player that makes a lot of money without including him. And Hayward's going to be an expiring contract, and I think that if they're going to make a trade, Terry probably has more value in acquiring like another star than Hayward would on an expiring deal. Darren, have you got any thoughts on, on Terry Zare? Is, is that someone you think is, is likely to be back next year? He was my second person. So I had Terry Rozier, but I actually am not. Let's see. I am a big Terry Rozier fan. This year has showed me why a lot of – so when we saw, when we got Terry Rozier in the first place, a lot of people were like, oh, y'all getting a shot chucker. And I'm in, in this season has really kind of proved it. Last season, he moved, he was moving very well without the ball. If you look at like the advanced stats, he was one of the better off ball players in the league. Yeah. Um, he was really good at it. And then this year, they were like, all right, LaMelo's out, control of offense. And we saw it just struggle. I mean, granted, it's not like he had many weapons around him, but he struggled to run the offense. And then also on his, on his own end, he just struggled to sometimes find offense himself. I mean, we've seen since recently with Lamelo being out, Kelly Oubre has taken the ranks as being the guy. Unfortunately, I mean, we've seen how that's going. We scored 86 points our last game. But Terry Rozier has value. I think personally it's just the Hornets are asking him to do too much. There, I think that it's just the, what he has to do for this team is not something that's sustainable for him in that role. I think if you put him – I always hate putting him there, but it's just the best example. If you put him on the Lakers, he looks way better because they – well, at least earlier in the season, they needed someone to be able to create those shots. That's not LeBron. That's not AD. Now they got – you know, they're a little deeper now, but I can't think of a team off the top of my head that would use him. But he would be better in that role of, okay, our two guy, our two main guys, they're out, they're sitting, uh, minutes, you know, come in, run the offense, keep us afloat. He's really good at that. But if you're asking him to be your second person, which the way this roster is constructed, he has to be the second person. I just don't see it working out uh, in that. And so for, in order to get someone, like Chase said, we're going to have to trade Terry Rozier. Gordon Hayward doesn't have any value. I think if anything, Gordon Hayward can get you someone like that you're just trading. It's going to be two expiring deals. It's going to be how we did Mason Plumlee for Reggie Jackson. It's going to be like one of those deals. Uh, just a guy who probably doesn't play, and we're just offloading Gordon Hayward and maybe get some picks back. Hopefully it's more than what we get for Mason Plumlee. One second, technically. So hopefully it's more than that. Uh, but, yeah, Terry Rozier, if you're going to try to get any better, Terry Rozier has to go. And also, even if he was a lot better offensive player, um, 
it, it, he just doesn't fit next to Lamelo. It's just he doesn't. He can't. He, if you look at it like last, specifically last year, he was guarding guys that he had no business guarding. Like he, I think, uh, if you look at like B ball index, they had a step like the advanced stat show that he was guarding players much bigger than him more than more times than not. And Lamelo was kind of guarding the second guy. Terry Rozier was supposed to be our defender. Uh, and at the time, you know, Kelly Oubre was coming off the bench. So it's just – it makes – Terry's situation makes him look worse than what he is just because of the fact that he is our second guy. But also, I, the way the team's constructed, he just can't. And so the team either needs to add depth in other places, add players of different archetypes in other places, or get rid of Terry Rozier. And honestly, I like their chances of getting rid of Terry Rozier and trusting them to get someone who we think can fill that role. And plus – James Booknight has not looked the way we wanted him to. So I thought for sure that was going to be the Terry replacement, but obviously not. Well, you're certainly right about Terry's air point guard experience. I just looked at the Hornets with both Terry on the court and both Dennis Smith and Lamelo off. The Hornets are scoring 107 points per 100 possessions, which is, I think, in like the seventh percentile. So that is like one of the worst offenses in the league. And that just matches the eye test, right? The ball is pounded. The ball does not move side to side. He really kind of dominates the ball and his his best skill is kind of running off catch and shoots. And he is just unable to do that. I mean, the the the, the question I will push back to both, I guess, Chase and Darren here, right, is this is the 30th ranked offense in the NBA this year. And you're taking Lamella Ball, sorry, Lamella Ball. You're taking Terry Rozier, who is, this team is probably like maybe the most Outside of Lamelo, he was probably the best offensive player, depending on your your views on Gordon Hayward off the team. Um, in, in the half court, like he is still an option when he's out there with Lamelo Ball. Without him, I, I agree. But you're taking him off the team. You better be replacing him with some serious scoring. And yes, I agree. You need a defensive upgrade. This is one of the big reasons I've always been on this this point for a while. Here is that. Like you just can't have a good defense where you've got Terry's in Lamelo Ball as your starting guards because Terry's going to have to guard the bigger, the better player, and he that's like not his role. He doesn't have the size, the length, um, the strength to be able to to do that. Um, but you know how are you going to trade Terry's ear and turn him into someone who's not a massive downgrade offensively, but is also better defensively because those players they just don't get traded that much. And what is the cost going to be for those guys? Um, and, and, you know, it's Terry is still the, I think the veteran leader for this team. I think he is the, the team captain. I think they very much look up to him and they follow him. Um, so that, that would be some of my pushback there. Um, any, any comments come back against that? Darren? Um, oh, oh yeah, Terry, you can go. Um, personally, I can say, well, I can say who I have for my second person now that I know I need two people. I think book night's going to be gone. Just because, like you said, Darian, he hasn't stepped up. And he hasn't shown that he can take Terry's spot. So one thing with Terry, um, we know he can be a 20-point-per-game scorer. Now he is 6-1. Honestly, I would put it between Terry and Booknight to be gone because Ubre's playing out of his mind, too, and he's bigger. He's way bigger than, than Terry. So, you know, a LaMelo, Kelly, backcourt, might not be ideal defensively either, but Terry, I mean, Kelly has been playing better defense this year. Steve Clifford challenged him to do that. Um, but ultimately, I think Booknight would be gone just simply because he's not seeing the floor, the off-the-court troubles to start the season. 
the on the court troubles we saw last year with him almost getting physical with Borrego, that was a whole thing. I think I think he'll be gone. But to touch on the Terry point, I could definitely see why it's almost like a 50-50 in the Hornets community. Half of people want Terry gone. They don't even care what we get back. They hate him. They want him gone. Me personally, I understand his scoring capability, but he is undersized and is a shot chucker. Like I said earlier, I compared him to Caleb Love on UNC. He's a, he's a shot chucker with a green light. Okay. It's not going to be pretty. And now with LaMelo gone, Terry is not a primary facilitator. He's not, um, you know, I don't know if you guys bet on sports, but they had him at six and a half assists the other day. I took him under. He's not getting seven assists. I don't care who we're playing. That's just not who he is. So I think, I don't know if it was Chase or Darian that said this, but I think we are asking him to do too much. And um, he just shouldn't be the main guy running an offense. I put him in like a Spencer Dinwiddie type of role. And I think if we are going to move him, he might have to accept a six man role. Um, I don't know if he will do that or if a team would do that because of his contract, but I don't know. That might be what it takes to, to get him moved. Well, so it's interesting. Like James Borrego knew that he wanted Devonta Graham to run point guard within like two weeks of the season starting. Right which you now look at Devontae Graham around the league and you go, wow, like you, he, like James Brager thought, that is better than having Terry Zier run point guard. He came to that assumption pretty quickly and Devontae Graham is now like a borderline rotation player in the NBA. So I, it's it's interesting. I, I definitely agree off ball is, is better. The thing is the grass isn't always greener, right? Everyone trade Mason Plumley, trade Mason Plumley, you trade him. Oh, we got the second round pick. I mean, I mean it's like, sorry guys, you you know, it's that you can't just choose the deal. Like if you if you're gonna move someone, you have to have someone come back. So I, I think I think a lot of the fan base would lean towards moving Terry's ear, but you just never know what. Yeah, I, I, it's a, it's a hard market to pull. Like you know, we spoke to Jake Fisher about it on our pre-trade deadline podcast, and he said that he thinks a lot of NBA teams still view Terry's ear as a as like like a net positive player and would give up trade value there. So it, it's an interesting one to touch on. On the book night, um, I'm surprised James Booknight did not come up earlier. Um, I, I that's someone who I think he's guaranteed four million for next year, four and a half million for that year after if they choose to pick up the team option on the deal. Even though he's on a rookie sale contract, like it's hard to argue right now that Terry's here, sorry, that James Booknight is like he's a bad value contract on his rookie contract. It's it's just the way it is. I mean, he's he's struggling in the G league to play like he's his three point shot has come along. But like you say, he is behind Bryce McGowan's he's behind Dennis Smith jr. I think if Cody Martin were healthy, I think he would be behind Cody Martin. Um, do the Hornets just cut bait this off season? I mean, roster spots are going to be a bit of a crunch next year. If there's a certain MB coming back, um, do it. Do other people think that's likely Darren? I would just like to say, and this isn't my other person, but someone very similar who I actually like. Kai Jones is also in that boat. I love Kai. I know I love Kai Jones. I'm not saying they should trade Kai Jones, but what I am saying is the team. I'm I'm kind of basing it off the team. If it was me, I would keep him. He shows the tools. For some reason, they still put JT Thor over him. Like when PJ Washington was out, they're like, let's put JT Thor there and then expect him to shoot. It, no, he. that's not what he does. Like, put Kai Jones – that was your chance to put in Kai Jones, and you did it. But my point is that with James Booknight, I think that 
there's just no there's just no room. I, I he's there's something has to change. Um, part of me also, if you want to talk about this, will Steve Clifford even be the coach? So we know that, for example, you have to think about it at the beginning of the season. The reason James Booknight got to play where he played, it, from what I've heard, from what I understood, it wasn't because James Booknight was just showing out in practice. It was because he was putting in some effort, meet with uh, Steve Clifford in the mornings, I think it was, and they were going over film, breaking down film for hours before practice. Of course, That's the quickest way to get on Steve Clifford's good side. But Steve Clifford is a basketball mind. So that is what you can do to get in his good graces. But what you do on the court is what keeps you in his good graces. And he wasn't doing anything on the court. So we know Steve Clifford, if I'm not mistaken, has this uh, one year and then they have like an option after. If another coach comes in, that's not going to work. He doesn't know James Booknight. So I do agree that it could be very possible we see James Booknight gone because he hasn't performed. And now – to be honest, this is the best time. If you're going to see anything from James Booknight, if he wants to save his Hornets career, if you want to say, this would be the time, and they're not putting him in. But you spent a first-round pick on this guy, the 11th pick, in a draft that we've seen guys go after him and were pretty good. So it's just – I think we're just not seeing it, and that's why I think James Booknight will probably be, be gone. There's just – there's all the odds are against him right now. His game – his on the court, off the court, and then – very likely the coach that who trusted him the most is not going to be here next year. It's, all the things are against him, in my in my opinion. I, I think you're right. And I, I think the Kai Jones point, if people are wondering, like, what's the difference between Kai Jones and James Booknight, which some people could, right? Both basically out of rotation. Here's the difference. Kai Jones was always going to be a project. He picked up the game late. He picked up the game at age 16. He was always going to be someone who needed multiple years. James Booknight wasn't viewed that way. James Booknight was uh, going to be a top 10 pick, basically. He thought he'd be able to make an impact. Kai Jones still has a fantastic attitude. He is positive. He works hard. You know, he's not got any of the off-court dramas that James Booknight has. He is a unique athlete, as we have in the NBA, that if he puts together his basketball IQ and his skill level, he could reach, you know, he could he can do things that just other people absolutely cannot. And he has shown some flashes in some games, I think even more so than James Booknight. And the other thing, let's remember this franchise, he is cheaper. He was drafted later. He is, you know, 3 million per year instead of 4.5. I know that doesn't seem like a great difference, but it is, again, another another little factor. So I, I think you're right on that. Um, Chase, you wanted to come in. Yeah, I think I need to revise my list uh, and put James <laughs> Booknight on it as well. They, like now the more I think about it, there's no way they pick up his option this summer. Like unless they, I'm, well, actually they would trade him on draft night before that. So the only way they, he's even that that's even a question is if they get rid of him and the other team that he's on now is deciding whether or not to pick it up. He's going to be making $6 million in the last year of his contract. Uh, like there's not a, a world that has been presented to us right now and where he's like would get six million dollars on the open market for that's what Bryce what, McGowan's is making in four years right, for his whole contract right, right? and <laughs> Bryce McGowan's is like way ahead of James Booknight in terms of like where he lands on the depth chart right now and he's halfway through his rookie season which he spent the majority of it on a two-way contract like the inv- the level of investment that you have to put into James Booknight right now uh, for the from the Hornets perspective is almost certainly not worth it when you're looking at like the, not only a roster crunch but like you said the salary cap is a thing uh, as well so uh, there's 
like no way that he they pick up that option. I would be shocked now, the more that I think about it. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna bring that discussion to a close and I'm gonna move us on to our next question. I'm hoping to run through this one a little bit quicker, but um if you could go back in time to the start of the season, you have three options. A, would you start Mark Williams? B, would you have Mark Williams as the backup center? Or C, would you play it out exactly how it is with Mark playing in the G League and kind of coming in post-trade deadline? So, Chase, I'm going to come to you first uh, because yeah, I've not come to you yet. Let's let's see what you have to say on that. Which option you pick him? So I would probably go with option B, but to the Hornets' credit, it worked out well how it did. So B through C is is fine, I think. Uh, I, I obviously starting him right away would be nice, but it as we've seen with big men in the NBA in recent years, it can be tough, like throwing them into the fire like right away like that, unless they're just like some can't miss uh, elite like top end prospect. Um, which Mark is obviously really good, but I don't think he was that viewed as that way, even by the Hornets when they drafted him. So. Uh, if I if I'm in charge, I'm probably just getting really excited about the rookie center that you have. That presumably in practice they knew that he had good chemistry and paired well with Lamella, which we obviously didn't get to see until it happened in games. But I'm sure the coaching staff had a good idea that this would be what it looked like when he actually got to play with Lamella in extended minutes. But so I probably would have I would have done B myself. But I, you, you can't argue with with how it worked out either. Like he might play himself onto an all rookie team by really only being a part of the rotation for half the season. So that would be tremendous if that ended up that way. Anyone disagree with Chase? Uh, anyone have a different grade? Uh, option A, B, or C wants to come in here. I had so I similar, but instead of B, I had A. So. For I agree with the C as in it played the way it played out more than happy. It's more exciting that way. We were like, oh, when we're going to see him, when we're going to see him. And he comes out and just looks amazing. So I like that aspect of it. But in the reality of it, from early on, I felt like he should have started. I, I just don't see, especially if you're going to end up, and this is kind of trying to tell the future from the beginning of the season, especially if you're only going to end up getting a second round for Mason Plumlee. I just don't see why you just wouldn't start with Mark Williams. I guess because I know a lot of it, they were like, well, we can still compete. I didn't believe that at the beginning of the season. And I don't, I'm pretty sure none of us really did. When you looked at that roster, it was like, oh, they're fun. That was the one first thing I noticed when the season started. I was like, this team is a lot more fun than I thought. That kind of dwindled down. But I just didn't see what was the point of holding Mark Williams back if you weren't going to get anything from Mason Plumley, and then you weren't going to win games either. But I'm glad that one thing I feel like helped Mark Williams is being able to go to the G League, dominate Absolutely. essentially, and then see this how good I can be. Because I will say that if he started from the jump, let's say first game against Embiid, Embiid drops 50. That's not, you know, that's not something that early in your career you want to happen to you. Like, uh, you know, like, well, I think that happened to Walker Kessler or something. He said something like that, but. It's, you don't want that to happen to you. It could kill your confidence. However, him going through the G League, like I said, dominating, just seeing what he can really do at this level, I think that was a big confidence boost. And I think that he doesn't look like the same. My biggest thing on him when we were in the summer league, he looked very, very timid offensively. Defensively, he was trying to block everything, trying to defend, trying to get steals. Offensively, he looked a little timid around the rim. Being in the G League for as long as he was, and then as soon as he came in, he was not. he doesn't look scared anymore at all. He goes up with force every time. So that's 
I, I have to go with C, even though I wanted A, but I think they did the right thing on this one. I think that's a, a really like kind of it's not a popular thing. A lot of people on Twitter would demand A, right? Why didn't they start Mark Williams from day one? But let me tell you about Christian Coloco, right, for the Toronto Raptors. Christian Coloco started the season in the rotation. He then even started starting at some point. Then around the 43-game mark, he was struggling. Um, he was getting into foul trouble. He had a string of bad games. He has then basically been out of the Raptors rotation since and is now playing with the Raptors 905 with their G League squad. They literally flipped it the other way. They threw him in the deep end at the start. Now, they, they did struggle for... They had not many big man uh, options in Toronto, which we all know, which is why they traded for Purple. But they went that way. And even before the Purple trade, they essentially decided, mm, this this he's not quite right yet. We need to we need to move him on. So I do think it's... I, I think some fans assume that Mark Williams would have been this from day one. And it, it could have been the case. No one can say it can't. But I think it's foolish to just rule out that everything he's done with the coaches and in the G League and everything hasn't helped him to be this comfortable at this point in the year. Um, Terry, come in. What do you? What, what option would you have taken? Um, me, honestly, I chose B, but for me, it was kind of like a come off, like kind of like a combination of B and A. For me, I would have had him come off the bench for maybe about 10 games after that, all right, man, it's time to start. We saw enough of Plumlee and Bismack Biombo last year. It was pitiful. It was disgusting. And I was personally upset that the way that we allowed it to hinder Nick Richards' growth. So for us to go and get Mark Williams, especially after trading Jalen Duran and deciding this is our guy, personally, I thought Mark Williams was the most NBA-ready center prospect in the draft. Longest wingspan in the Hornets history. Block run, dunk, set a pick. He knows how to do that. You don't have to get taught how to, you know, do those things. He's an athletic freak. Ten games off the bench, he would have figured out. Not necessarily throw him to the fire, play him 30 minutes a game. But I wanted to see Nick Richards as well. So I feel like there could have been a rotation for all three of them to play, even if it was just 10 minutes here or 10 minutes there. I just didn't feel like the way we handled it was right, especially with the point that Darian talked about, which I talked about on my channel as well. You get a 2028 pick for Plumlee. What's the point? I mean, now you look at it, we're number one in defensive rating these past few weeks with Mark Williams. He could have been out there. Who knows where we would have been? I mean, we had the injuries, obviously, but who knows where we could have been if we actually could have guarded somebody, if we actually had a center that was capable of blocking the shot. You know, I, I just felt like he off of just raw athleticism alone and raw, you know, alone should have been out there. I just would have brought him off bench first 10, 15, boom, it's time to go out. You're used to it by if it goes bad, you, you know, you go to the bench, we bring Plumlee in. But I do agree with what you said, James, about I want to go backwards. You don't want to throw there. And uh, something goes wrong, and it's just like, all right, let's kind of try to wheel him back in. That messed with confidence, and that's something that kind of happened to James Booknight in a sense. We saw him have 24 points here, go off there, and then it's kind of like, oh, somebody's back from injury. All right, back to the bench. We don't see you for another two months. That can mess with somebody's psyche, you know, I don't know. So I, I definitely do agree with that point where you don't want to see him go backwards just by doing it too early. And like we all said, it all worked out. It all worked out. Mark Williams is great. And now we're talking about, does he even need to go to Summer League next year? 
I think that might have been you, James, that that would tweet about me. that. Does he need to go to Summer League next year? It's just crazy how fast that that developed. But how fast we saw his development in these two to three weeks, you know, this could have been way earlier on. Me personally, I feel like I feel like it could have happened earlier. Yeah. And the only people who really know will be the people who saw him in this practice, right, in training camp. How far along was he? Um, we weren't privy to that. Um, although some of some of the flashes we did get even in the preseason were like you saw something straight away that there was there's positive impact there. Um, okay, uh, we're going to just take a quick break from our here from our friends at DraftKings, and then we're going to come back uh, after the break for our final question. Okay, welcome back. On to our final question. Um, I have asked each of our panelists today to to kind of rank a little bit that over the next three years, where do you think Charlotte rank in the NBA in terms of kind of future power rankings? Um, and I've left this very open of how you interpret that and what you, you value. So people will probably do this all a little bit differently. Uh, but I, I didn't want to kind of put, you know, strip us down too much into the details. So um, I'm going to come back to Darian. Uh, trust the buzz. Let's uh let's hear from you. Where do you have Charlotte ranked over the next three years in terms of future power rankings in the NBA? This is to me almost a trick question. And the reason I say that is because I've said this before on my channel. I'm pretty sure Terry has said it on his, and I'm pretty sure y'all have said it on this podcast. Until what happens behind those doors as far as GM, scouting evaluators, owner changes. They can get Bronny. They can get Victor. They can get Scoot and Victor. I don't think it's going to make a difference. I like as far as overall, how much better they'll be in the future. I think the talent. I think we're going to get talent. Melo's amazing, of course. Mark Williams, amazing. Hopefully, we get Scoot or Victor or whoever you want. I mean Thompson, but. I just feel like to an extent, somehow this organization finds a way to hold people back in a way. And that's just kind of where I stand on that is just I just I just need to see it from the organization. We've seen the players get better. We've seen Mark Williams get better. We've seen Kai Jones is getting better. We've seen LaMelo get better. We've seen all the players do what they need to do for the most part let's say because there's still times where they don't they look a little lazy out there but we've seen pj get better we've just seen all these players get better but at the end of the day i still feel like they're not being provided with what they could to really win so um, are, you, I, are you saying then until you think ownership gym changes are you saying three zero is that what I, you're saying here well this this is the thing i don't say I don't, <laughs> i'm not saying michael jordan should just he should sell the team i'm not one of those people i mean i always like joke but i don't i don't think that's the case but i think there's just guy has to be some type of just something he needs to do something so he doesn't talk to he doesn't talk to us i mean mitch Kupchak rarely talks to us we're kind of all usually left in the dark it's just it doesn't seem like they have a direction. Like, how do we need a coach? We're on a granted they couldn't handle the MB situation, but how we're on the cusp of making the playoffs, get blown out twice, change the coach, and we end up with Steve Clifford. That has nothing to do with Lamelo. That has nothing to do with James Booknight. That has nothing to do with any of them. So, and then we're still seeing issues like again this season where our, our training staff is throwing out hurt people. So it's just to me, it's just so much more than the talent. As far as talent. I, I mean, I don't – this draft is deep. There's no reason we shouldn't walk away with some decent talent out of this draft. I say decent just to keep the bar low, but really should be great talent. 
And so talent, I could see the talent going through the roof. I could see the players being very good. It's just, I, I just don't know. The organization, I feel like, is just what's holding them back. I, I don't think they rank too highly, but I also just wouldn't be surprised. Like, LaMelo could be this guy who ends up being MVP one day at Fort Charlotte. That would be great. That would be huge. That obviously would put this team, you know, in a different echelon. But it's just I just don't feel like until we get that commitment from the front office, it's just going to be really hard to evaluate this team and all the players. That's just personally how I feel about it. So I'm going to push you here, Darian. I need a I need a ranking over the next three years. Okay. Where where were you where are you ranked, Charlotte, as a as a kind of future power rankings? I would say. Are we doing like out of thirty teams, or are we doing like where out, do I see them? Out of thirty teams, out of the thirty okay. teams, where do, where do you think they should be ranked? I'll give them. We'll give them. What's it? Twelve. I'll give them twelve. Wow. Okay. I'll give right. them twelve. Twelve. Uh, Terry, I'm going to come straight to you because you reacted to that number. I'm about to say, I mean, for all that he said, as much as the misery and all that, totally <laughs> feel pretty good. That's, you know, six teams in the West, six teams in the East, and we know we're out to play in. That's pretty good. I thought you were going to say something way lower. <laughs> I thought you were going to say something way lower. Like I said, I trust the players completely. I just want them to do something. Like, like for example, signing Gordon Hayward and you draft LaMelo Ball, what sense does that make? Because you're yeah. obviously three for a reason at that point. Well, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now, so, now look, that's my so point. for me – for me, I have us as a top 10 team. I trust Mitch Kupchak. Now, we have to look at the whole timeline. LaMelo accelerated everything. We were going to get pick number eight. You know, we're thinking we have Devontae Graham, um, Dwayne Bacon, Miles Bridges. Oh, LaMelo. Whoa, what's going on? That changed everything. It sped everything up. Now, okay, we have to go get somebody that can maybe do something for us. Okay, boom, Gordon Hayward. Personally, I didn't want to give money to Gordon Hayward. Who didn't foresee him getting hurt? Who didn't foresee it? We should let him go to the freaking Pacers. That was stupid. But last year, we easily could have been a 50-win team. I think we won 43. Correct me if I'm wrong. We were 0-7 in overtime. Well, that's 50 wins right there. We lost plenty of people to COVID, other freak injuries. The Hornets have had so many freak incidents, the whole Miles Bridges thing, but just the freak accidents – so many things that is just like out of our control. I think if we take our time, we build this roster right. Okay, we know any year from now, Gordon Hayward's contract is going to fall off. We have cap space at that point. We're still going to be this young, exciting team once, you know, Miles Bridges comes back. I know some people feel some type of way about that, but it's, it's kind of that's what it looks like. He's coming back. So you add him in, you add in a top five pick. I mean, even healthy this year, we've looked pretty good. We've looked pretty good. Now, whether we trade Terrell's year or not, if we get a real two-way guard that can be a future backcourt mate of LaMelo Ball for years to come, who knows? This summer was crazy. We saw so much happen this summer. If the Hornets can make a Cavs-like move for somebody like Donovan Mitchell or something like that, and we have cap space and we have a top-five talent for this year, three years from now, Definitely, I have us as a top 10 team, as long as we don't get in our own way, like you said. As long as we don't get in our own way and mess it up or we don't have any freak injuries or off-the-court things, I don't see why we can't be a top 10 team because, I mean, we were the four seed last year before everything went wrong. Um, and I think so many people just forget that in the grand scheme of things. Um, the timeline gets skewed. People's recent memory gets skewed because, we, you know, we're hard to watch right now. But – I think we could be all right, man. I, I truly do. I have a top 10 team next three years. 
and hopefully win a playoff series. Okay, so Darren went 12, Terry went 10. Chase, wait, what are you thinking? I, I'm right on the money with Dar- Terry and Darian. I had bet- somewhere between 12 and 15. I didn't have like an exact number, but for most, a lot of the reasons we've already talked about. But the only thing is that they may need to like, I guess, prove themselves more than some other young teams in the league, like Memphis or something has mostly young players in their rotation. Cleveland is a very young team as well. Obviously, they're not. I don't have the same outlook as teams like that. Uh, but they have way more like just talent from top to bottom, young players and veterans than a team like that's in near them in the standings right now or the Tankathon standings, I should say, like the Rockets or the Spurs or the Pistons. Like those teams are not only are they not trying to win now, they might not even be trying to win next year. So the Hornets are much closer and have much fewer steps to take, I think, to be like a playoff team than those teams do, even if they, you know, are playing their young guys more and all their young players look so good and whatnot. I mean, that hasn't worked out as well as people like would like to think it does all the time. It doesn't pan out to being a top six playoff team or something like that. But the Hornets, like Terry said, they were actually there, like with most of the players that are still on the team, like LaMelo, Miles Bridges, PJ Washington. You add Mark Williams to that. You add a top five draft pick to that. You're cooking with gas at that point. Like you have a lot to work with right there. They own all of their picks in the future. They can make any trade. They got a couple extra seconds for McDaniels and Plumley, and then the million second round picks they got for J- uh, Jalen Duran. Like, they have a lot more to work with than some of these other like bottom tier teams. And then you have to factor in other teams that are going to slide down in the next three years. Are the Lakers going to have uh, LeBron James and Anthony Davis in three years? Uh, like are the wizards going to be like a middling team still in three years? Probably are the bulls going to have anybody that's on their roster right now? Probably not. Like all of these teams are in much more like, flux i guess over the next three years even though the hornets have had like the most unlucky season possible i think they have a much clearer view of the players they want to keep and sign to like rookie extensions than many other teams in the similar positions honestly so i went and looked at the future power rankings that uh, espn did in march 2022 so they've not done one for this year yet but march 2022 things were probably pretty good in charlotte Hornets land at that point. They're probably around the fourth, fifth seed in the East. They had Charlotte ranked 22nd then. Um, Bleach Report had an article last year, uh, which was, I think, in May last year. They had Charlotte ranked 27th. And if I was to if I was to bring on, I mean, I've I listened to a bunch of guys, Zach Lowe, Sam Vecini, whoever you want to, if I was to bring them on this podcast right now and say, rank, you know, the next three years, I can almost guarantee you all of them would put Charlotte last, right? I, I, I've, I've actually heard Sam Vecini. He said that they did a, a conversation on the Game Theory podcast debating between San Antonio, Houston, Detroit, and Charlotte. And yet Charlotte is the least, um, the, the kind of like the, the bleakest franchise just of those four. That's not even including everything else. Um, so if they were to come on the show and say, Charlotte have got the 30th ranked, going forward what are the what are the key things you think the national media for maybe some of those listeners who've seen those things read those things what are some of the things that you guys think that the the national media and those people who look across the whole nba are missing that they don't quite see in charlotte chase for one lamello ball is a better player than anybody on those four teams that's by far 
puts them ahead of them. I don't. Kate understand. Cunningham. I heard the whole conversation about Sam Vecini and Jamie Edwards. We both talked about how they would still both take Cade Cunningham over Lamelo Ball, and they said that literally last week. Uh, yeah. Which, which I disagree with as well. By the way, uh, yeah. But- and, if, and if you're worried about injury prone, <laughs> that's the same exact deal. Like you know, yeah. I. That's a tough one, and the Rockets are horrible. Like they play really bad basketball and I like, how is it going to get better unless they get rid of a lot of the young players that are probably the reason why they find this the most attractive destination. And then obviously a Pistons writer is not going to put his own team as the bleakest spot uh, when you can just deflect that to another like small market team that has a really small fan base. Uh, why, why would you not do that? Um that that's unfathomable. I didn't listen to that episode. I listened to a lot of the game theory episodes. That's like unfathomable to me. Who do the Spurs have that puts them above the Hornets? Is that just being like, they have a lot of people that were good at talent evaluation in the two thousands and 2010s. So what they have, what they have is, uh, was Jeremy Sohan, Devin Vassell, Keldon Johnson. But on top of that, they have 13 first round picks over the, which are currently tradable as opposed to Charlotte who have eight, um, so part of the thinking here is in terms of, you know, I know we say that Charlotte have got like, you know, all their assets they can trade for anybody. But one thing I think we do need to acknowledge is they are missing one first round pick, which does limit their ability to, to package multiple together to make a, a Donovan Mitchell like trade. And the other thing is, yes, Charlotte have all of their own, but they only have one future one, which is from Denver, which is basically going to be the 30th or 29th. And whereas a lot of these other teams, these OKCs, the Brooklyns, etc., because they've had these superstars who they moved on, they've got this this tre- chest of picks, which is more than just their own. They can trade their own and other teams' picks that they own as well to to make these various deals. So I think I think that's part of the the ranking that's going in there is that Charlotte don't necessarily have a bunch of. It's not like they've traded away all their picks like the Hawks, who I think are going to be in a tricky scenario. But they also don't have a bounty for that they can go and offer without pretty much mortgaging their future. Darren? I think that they haven't tried to get a bunch of picks. They, you you hold on to Terry Rozier. You hold on to Gordon Hayward. You hold on to maybe even Mason Pumley. Jalen uh, McDaniels, I, that I'm actually – Curious about like, there's no way that they couldn't get one for it. Could be late. I don't care at this point. We're talking future, so it doesn't matter when the pick is, as long as it's a first round pick. I don't they didn't see even how get they... two seconds. They gave up a second. Oh yeah, so, so they get yeah, two. So... so they got one second. Like at least get two. Yeah, I mean, so it just yeah. doesn't make any sense. So I get that aspect, and that's kind of more so what I was saying is just that I. It's just I don't understand what they got going on now. Like I said, this this draft is deep. Like you mentioned, they have Denver's pick. It may be the 30th pick, but there are some guys at, at that 30th pick who I think could help this team right away if given the opportunity. That's another thing that I personally took into consideration for my ranking is are they going to – just they can get all these young players. They can use all these picks. They can pick great guys. I know a lot of people were saying that we got a steal with uh, Bryce McAllen's. I mean, granted, this year he hasn't played as much as you would want him to, but it's fine. I mean, it's still really early. still his rookie season. But what are they going to do when they get these guys? Are they going to sit them and stash them? Because I know a lot of people in national media say we actually do draft pretty well. It's just we don't give them the time. And then after two or three years, if they're not LaMelo, we trade them. That's somewhat kind of true to an extent, but not to the 
that are well, right there saying it. I, th- I think the Kai and Buck Knight draft really, really kind of just destroyed Mitch Kupchak's drafting uh, reputation because now that's what you point out, right? They they traded away a first to take Kai and Buck Knight, and like by by year two, which both go- those guys are in, neither of them are currently in or really near the rotation. Um, and and I still people feel like. You know, there's obviously they traded the Shea Gilgis Alexander pick for Mouse Bridges, which was looking like it might have been defendable, and then obviously not so much now. Um, but I still feel like the Hornets are branded as a bad drafting franchise. Um, I, even though I think if you look at some of the detail, there was there was a bad year for sure, right? There is like it, it's not looking good for that for that for that draft class. But outside of that, and especially in the second round, they've actually been pretty solid. One one thing I do want to touch on, it's been a topic that I've really been wanting to bring up this whole episode, um, something I've talked about on my channel. The Hornets in the last 10 years, how many people have made it past their rookie contract and gotten extension? It is a really small number. Um, Martin is like the, the most recent one. He was the first um, second round pick they ever resigned. So there's no one from the second round. Um, but, I don't know what years. Like Cody Zeller was 2013. He yeah. got an extension. Could Gilchrist was 2012. Um, yeah, so that's past 10 years. I'm trying to think. Like yeah. Noah Vonley, no. Um, nope. PJ Hairston, I don't even know what pick that was. I mean, you think about it, how many of our picks are we actually keeping seven, eight years, a decade? It, it, we haven't really shown to be able to do that, whether that's because they just simply don't produce and they're not worth it or – they don't want to stay that is something that maybe the mainstream media is looking at but that's something that i've definitely have noticed yeah. i mean look at malik monk he's killing it Jalen mcdaniels just had 20 points in his first start for the sixers we we developed this in-house talent or we try to don't necessarily give them the chance to reach their full potential and then like darian said oh you're not Lamelo, get out of here or sometimes you know some people always accuse michael jordan of being cheap and Somehow that might be why we're where we're at. People don't think that our future is too bright because you know we're not a big time team to where we're gonna get the big names, but at the same time, we haven't shown the ability to develop in-house all-stars and keep them. So that that could definitely be the concern. But I still think we have a future. I don't care what anybody says, like you guys are saying, LaMelo is better than anybody on any of these teams. You know, just last year, oh, everybody's the mainstream media. Oh my God, the Hornets are our favorite league pass team. Da 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 da. They're so exciting. Blah blah blah. Now all of a sudden, yeah, they have we have, they have the bleakest future in the NBA. Miles Bridges coming back. Airbnb, Lamelo, the Lobs, all that. It's gonna be right back, and everybody's gonna switch their tune. And all of a sudden, our future is so bright and exciting. I don't know, man. I think the mainstream media has a big case of recency bias. They always do stuff like that. I think you're absolutely right. They do. They they go with the wind, right? You know, you can see it as soon as anything happens. All the podcasts that week are about that one thing, and um, it's, it's fair to say there haven't been that many positives this year on, on the extension front. And and I, I think I know why the Hornets stop extended people. I think one, it's because they drafted pretty poorly, right? Frank Kaminsky, you know, Malik Monk didn't show that much in his time in Charlotte. Although I agree that he's having a you know a really good season now. Um, Noah Vonley, they moved very early for Nick Batum. But I think the, the big reason is they drafted Michael Kigil, Chris, 2012, Cody Zell, 2013, gave them both big extensions. Both those extensions 
were, I think, for, for basically four years and were for pretty good, like, starter-level money. And when, like, Rich Cho and Mitch Kupchak took over the team, they were just absolutely strapped. They couldn't make any moves. And Mitch Kupchak talked about this in his post-trade uh, deadline media availability. He talked about how when he got here, it was hard to change much of the team because the, the salaries were locked in and they need to stay flexible and they need to not lock in unless they know it's right. And I think that is very much the approach that Jordan uh, wants his team to take is we can't be locking in these like four-year contracts to rookie guys if we're not sure, if we're not sure they're right. And Lamelo is speaking of extension eligible rookies, Lamelo is the soft season. And uh, we have to, I think we all have to hope here that that, that deal gets done. Um, okay. Uh, any last points here? I'm aware we've gone a little bit long. Uh, any last points that anyone wants to finish on at all? Chase. I just really need to tie this home. I cannot believe that a national media podcast ranked the Hornets. Um, do we remember when the before drafting Cade Cunningham, the Pistons drafted Killian Hayes, Saku Dumbuya, Luke Kennard, Henry Ellenson, Stanley Johnson in the top uh, 20 of the draft? I remember that. Do we also remember in February of 2021 when Sam Bassini had the Hornets inside of his top 10 in team prospect rankings uh, based on young star potential in the future? I remember that. That's all I'm saying. Like the, the court of public opinion just changes so fast and it's so mm. ridiculous how like the things that can change it like a player having a extremely serious off-court issue that any team in the world is not gonna like re-sign a player like that or push to put him back on the court or whatever uh, and then like their star player playing 36 mm. games in his third season due to breaking his ankle on like a weird play like of course they're playing bad when that happens, like any team would, like it's, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. And, we all, and I think we all said probably at the start of the year that them being bad this year, the term, is maybe not a bad thing. It's probably a good thing. It's painful. It's hard to watch. It's hard on the coaching staff. It's hard on the players. But if you'd said at the start of the year, the Hornets are going to have a top four odds on NBA draft lottery night. I think people would have, most Hornets fans would have run up to the, to the podium and gone, we'll take that. Like we, we don't care how the season goes, but we will take that because we knew this year with the, the depth of the Eastern Conference with some of the off-court struggles that this team had with the injury. And we didn't even know about the injuries at that point, but even with just that, you would have gone, the play, like who wants to compete for another play and get blown out, you know, when you, you're playing against good playing teams. So I still think big picture, this could work out for the better. Now, let's say they fall to fifth or sixth in lottery, which is very possible. For people to then to say, oh, the Hornets, you know, they, they shouldn't have tanked this year. Look, they got sixth pick in the draft. I'm sorry, that's just like not how it works. You, you don't know where you're going to pick. You have to play the lottery odds. You have to be comfortable that I think that the team are actually in a better position now. They've had a lot of their young players get minutes this year, which they wouldn't have had probably if they'd been healthy and everyone had been back this year, they probably know a lot more about JT Thor, Kai Jones, Bryce McGowan's than they would have in a normal year. So I actually do think this year could be a, a good thing long-term, as painful as it is day in, day out in terms of watching it and covering it. And one thing I want to say really quick, kind of tie it home. We're literally a victor, or and I know I was going on my rant earlier, but we, in all seriousness, we're a victor or a scoot away the national media being like the Hornets are the best team to you know it, it, we're literally one of them guys away maybe even maybe you can tie in Brandon Miller to that 
we're one of those guys away from everyone saying the Hornets are back or the Hornets are my exciting league pass team, as Terry said. That's that's all it's going to take, and everyone's yeah. going to forget everything that has ever happened. That that like he said, like Terry said, Miles Bridges more than likely going to come back. You add Victor Wembanyama to that, you get you you do have to do something with Terry Rozier still because Lamelo backcourt not going to work, but it's, it changes the narrative completely. So it, they say that now, but we're literally one of those guys away from all of that changing, and that's just how the NBA works. Also, we've seen JJ Redick. You know, as he does more and more national media, he calls out a lot of these guys for not watching <laughs> teams like that. And I get it. It's not the most fun team to watch. I 100% understand that. But if you're going to do these rankings, it probably would make sense to watch the team. So that's just something you got to think about. Well, the I think when the Hornets played the Nets the other night, not the Nets, they played a game recently where they were the, they were the only NBA game on for the first 30 minutes of the night and then other games started. And I, I, was, I always tweeted out that, all the national media are going to watch that 30 minutes of the Hornets game before they switch to another game. And they're going to use that to judge the Hornets for probably the next rest of the season, because that's like, like that's all they're going to watch. And it's probably all they've watched the last two weeks is that 30 minutes like snippet of when the Hornets were on. And I think they were really bad in that like first quarter and a bit of that game. And, you know, the next day everyone's going, oh, the Hornets are a disaster. It's like, well, Actually, if you pay attention, they got the number one ranked defense in like basically the last month. They've been playing really better. I think they were nine and nine with like their first choice starting unit uh, before Lamelo got injured. Like those things don't get noticed because they're in the weeds, right? And you know, if we were if we were all national media, we might not notice those things too about other teams, right? It's it's hard. You need to be, but that's why you have team specific websites, podcast accounts like us guys who can who can give you that that kind of next level of of detail and understanding. And context. Okay, right. We're gonna we're gonna finish it there. Um, Darian, Terry, Chase, thank you so much for coming on, helping us answer some of the big questions here. Uh, before we get out of here, uh, Terry, do you want to just plug your stuff one more time and where people can find you? Buzzboys919 on Twitter, um, Buzzboys Podcast on YouTube. If you're looking for shoes, one of one nine one nine on Instagram, one of one nine one nine.com. And uh, that's everything for me. I appreciate Darren? you guys having me on. We should do this again sometime. This is this is fun to talk to more. I have other friends who none of them are Hornets fans. They're Hawks, Heat, Nuggets, Knicks, Kings fans. And the Kings fans is talking more junk than anybody. So it's just crazy. So it's just nice to talk to some people who understand pain, but also who want to obviously look forward to the future. Um, you can find me on YouTube at Trust the Buzz. Also, you can find me on Twitter at Trustbuzz, T-U-T-R-U-Z-Z-B-U-Z-Z. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This was fun. No worries, guys. And uh, yeah, thanks a lot for coming on. And we will definitely have you guys back on some time. Maybe maybe for another discussion discussion panel. Maybe, uh, yeah, we can go in the off-season and we can look at some of the off-season moves. Um, that's, that's everything from me. Thank you very much, everyone, for tuning in. Um, and we'll catch you next time.